0: Father, we ask and we say there is illumination. The eyes of our understanding is alighting. There is no confusion in this atmosphere. Every heart can be odious. you as we see ourselves in you. Your name alone is glorified as we are edified. Amen. 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 All right. Fasting. Let's continue our series on fasting. Uh, I think I want to title it Bible doctrine on fasting or Bible explanation on fasting. And I... And, um, the, the, there's been that question, and we, we started in Matthew 28, verse 18, and we said, um, all scriptures is given, uh, not all scriptures, sorry, that's,
1: <laughs>
0: that's it, sorry. what 28, 18 to 20, are you there? says, so and Jesus said, came and spoke, said, and spoke unto them, saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth." Go ye therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. How we said the word teach there is translated from the Greek word, matetio, and it implies to make disciples. Matetio, M-A-T, mat, E-T-E-U-O, matetio, and it implies to make disciples. And, make disciples and um, We said said that the word matatio implies to make someone or people student via teaching. That is a process of enrolling someone in a school to learn. It's a process of enrolling someone in a school to learn. And we said it was derived from another Greek word called matatis. And it implies a student, someone who is learning, a disciple. So, and we said that... uh, uh, and we said that's a disciple. And we said that's teaching there, when it says in Matthew 28, verse 20, when it says, um, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe. The word teaching there is from the word didasco, and it implies to expound, to explain. So that shows the work of a preacher is to teach. When you find a preacher doing something different from teaching is uh, uh, doing something off his job description. So, you know, how I many of you have heard t- preachers say, my work is not to teach, my work is just to be a life coach? How many of you have heard this like that, that? I'm your life coach. You've heard, you've heard this like that? How I many if you have heard this like that? Uh, I'm your life coach. My work is not to teach you. I just want to coach you to, to, to make money in this life. And you're in church. That's, that's wrong. So the, the work of a Bible preacher is to teach and expound the scriptures and explain. Because when you come into a local church, you are already enrolled as a disciple. You are enrolled as a student. So a student is a learner. It's just like you are being enrolled to a college. Let's say you are, for instance, you are enrolled to University of Rochester. What are you expected to do in the school? You're expected to learn, right? You're expected to go to classes. You're expected to um, to do your assignments, except you want to fail. You're expected to take your exams and do all of those things and get your degree after four, five, six years, you know? So, you're expected that way. So, as but the only difference between that is that there's no graduation in church. Church is a lifelong experience. Hallelujah. So, there's no graduation with church. There's no... Uh, when is this now going to be over? When are we going to learn everything and finally graduate and be like pastor? You will keep learning. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. You will keep learning, you will keep growing, you will keep studying. Hallelujah. So we, we, we said all of that last week and we said the uh, church is discipleship, it's a place for discipleship. Uh local church is a place for discipleship. And um we, 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 we saw that. Look at look at in um Look at, uh, I would say the act and act of discipleship is carried out by the leadership of the local church. The act and practice, let me use the word practice or so, um, act, the act that is A-R-T, the act and act, A-C-T, of discipleship is carried out primarily by the leadership of the local church. You know, discipleship cannot be carried out by you because you are just a member of the local church. Imagine you as a member, you're just coming in and you're giving instruction to what to do. You know, some people just, just enter the church the first Sunday and they're already dictating to the pastor what he should teach. Uh, not here, It's not possible. It's, it's never going to happen here. Pastor, can you just teach this? We don't like the way you're going. I mean, why would you be telling us to fast? Just go in this direction. No, that's not how discipleship is done. Examination is done. You don't go to class. Let's use class for instance. You don't go tell your professor. Your professor tells you today in our syllabus. You know before you even get to the, before you even get to the class, they will have sent you syllabus. In fact, before one week before resumption, some some over sub teachers or some of our do teachers or professors they will have sent you two weeks before and tell you the first week Friday you're having an exam. How many of you have a catacly stupid classes like that? These are the guys that annoy me in this world. We just entered school. You're yeah, already threatening us with... Um, especially when it's an online class and it's an eight-week class. Those classes do look like rapture classes. Like the, <laughs> the speed at which they move. They'll tell you this coming Tuesday. I remember I took one French class. It was eight weeks then. And they told us, by Tuesday. The class is starting Monday. They told us Tuesday, prepare for a test. Ah. I saw the email. I wanted to email the professor like, ah, <laughs> you've you've not taught us anything. <laughs> first first class is just introduction, you know. First class is just to introduce the the professor, introduce the topic, introduce the syllabus, everybody will share their name, what are you up to, you know? And the next day you will have a test. Ah. Ah ah. Ah, you know, <laughs> you can't go and dictate that kind of woman now because she was a woman. You can't dictate that woman and say, Ma, ah, why will we be doing tests on the second day of class? She will tell you, if you are not interested, <laughs> it is it is easy, it it's it is very fast to quickly drop the class before it's too late. <laughs> it's fast to redrop of the class before it's too late. But a lot of people come to church and be giving suggestions, stupid suggestions. Why are they not singing? Is it your song? Why are they not clapping? Why are they not dancing? Why are they not uh why are they not going in this In my former church, they used to do then go back to your former church. Why are you coming to your to this place and telling me in your former church? Go back to the former church. Are you getting what I'm saying? So don't allow people make make you feel uncomfortable because your church does anything you. you. know, I, I remember in the church I was serving under a Celeste pastor. Some years ago. Some people came in and said, why is the why are they not singing African songs? Uh, I told the man, I said, ah, does this look, I said, because I said, because we look black doesn't mean that (laughs) I said because we look black, doesn't mean that we are really African. So he said, ah, but are you not an African? I said I'm an African, but (laughs) you can't come here and come and be dictating for the church. Are you getting what I'm saying? Because the act and practice of discipleship is done by the leadership of the local church. God has given the vision to the leadership of the local church. So yours is to walk in and submit to the vision. Yours is to walk in and submit and, and walk in line with what God is doing there. If your opinion is asked for, fine. If it is not asked for, keep quiet and keep serving God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Yeah. So, the act and practice of, of, of discipleship is carried out primarily by the leadership of the local church. And um, last week, we saw how disciples were we taught in the scriptures. We saw that in ultra the book of Acts, they were called disciples. And I explained to you last week, I said the dachi implies the act of teaching, that is the, 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 the art of teaching people. Look at 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 to 17. Justly, I think this was where I wanted to go to when we first started, but now we are here. 2 so Timothy 3 verse 16 uses all scriptures, is given by the inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect and thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So he says, all scripture is given by the distribution of God, which is profitable. The word profitable is translated from the Greek word, Ophelimos. Ophelimos implies what is of benefit. Something that is advantageous, that is helpful. What is of benefit? Something that is advantageous, that is helpful. That's the word of Ophelimos. Now he says all scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is advantageous, right? That is ben is is of benefit. He now says for the word for in the Greek is pros p r o s pro, and it is a preposition that means in view of, in view of. So the word for is a preposition, and in the Greek and the Greek word for pro for for for, for is is um, pros p r o s, and. It's a preposition that means in view of I just want to say this. I, I think you should pray for me tomorrow because Argentina is playing and Messi must not lose. Hallelujah. Someone said, why why die brush that way? I just remembered that Mercy is playing tomorrow. And by this time tomorrow, Mercy's fate will be decided. So, brethren, pray for us. Hallelujah. By two PM tomorrow. I'm going to be on the hot seat watching this match, brethren. If they did not win, we are not fasting again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm just joking, I just I eh? Lord, I pray they must lose this match. <laughs> I will we'll be famous in this. I feel like people is that person in this our church that prays the most devilish prayer in this world. People, I just tell you that you should renew your mind by the Spirit of God. All your devilish prayers will never be answered. <laughs> All right, praise God. So pray for me, and I'm not joking, you know, because, see, I'm beginning to see that football sometimes, affects the ministry that the Lord has given me, because if if they did it, we just discover I'm moody. Actually, those that I'm still going to teach this weekend, they should just pray because <laughs> I'll just get there. I don't be slapping anybody that that behave here. <laughs> okay, I'm just joking, but I'm not joking. All right. So, the word for is, for is the Greek word, pros. It's a preposition that means in view of. And Paul used the same in Ephesians 4. Paul used the same, that's word for, we are looking at that word for now. Paul used the same word in Ephesians 4, verse 11 to 12. Ephesians 4, verse 11 to 12. Look at what he says. He says, wherefore, oh, sorry, let me do two. Look at what he says. He says, and he gave some apostles, he gave some apostles and some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Now, so he now said, in verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints. For now, we mean in view of, right? In view of, that is, it is you. So that is, the ministry gifts are given in, in the view of maturing the saints. So why do you have a pastor? Why do you have a leader over you? It is to perfect you. Are you getting what I'm saying? It's to help you get better. And I'm trusting God because the mission of our life is to raise ministers of the gospel, raise preachers of the gospel. You are going to be a preacher someday and you're going to also do this to people. Are you getting what I'm saying? It's not someday. I'm sure you're going to start doing it too. So the ministry gifts are so given in view of maturing the saints. That means that they are set in the body of Christ to the end that the saints are matured. So that is the the end goal of prophets, pastors, teachers, you know, Is so that the saints are matured, so that they are equipped for the work of ministry and the edifying of the church. So, why do you come to church? Why do you listen to teachings? Why do you want to grow spiritually? So that you are effectively matured, you are equipped for the work of ministry. It's not so that you will be a life coach, it's so that you do the work of ministry. Does that make sense? So, let's go back to 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 now. It says, it is profitable for doctrine. The word doctrine is from the Greek word didaskalia, which refers to learning, teaching. And the word reproof, it says, it's profitable for doctrine, 2 Timothy 3, 16. And so, it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof. We said, doctrine is the Greek word didaskalia, D-I-D-A-S-K-A-L-I-A, didaskalia, and it refers to learning and teaching. The word reproof was translated from the Greek word elenosh. E-L-E-G-C-H-O-S. E-L-E-G-C-H-O-S, reproof, and it implies persuasion given by evidence. That is, the scripture alone is persuasion, is an evidence. Are you getting what I'm saying? The scripture gives, gives us persuasion. It gives us evidence of what we study. So that's why when we study we use the scriptures as our evidence. Does that make sense? Because the scripture itself is an evidence. That is why I tell people, "What is when you are telling me certain things, I tell you, uh, can you explain what you are saying from the scriptures? Because the scripture is our evidence. It's the persuasion. It gives us persuasion. And we're going to see this as the years progresses. And we'll Look at that. So now, the goal of teaching is for persuasion. Why do we teach? Why do we show you plenty of scriptures? Why, what's my goal now in this series? Because uh, when I submit my teaching notes, some of you don't know I do that, but when I submit my teaching notes, the end goal of my teaching, I tell them, and I, I tell them, I said, for the believers to be this, for this to be that. Are you getting what I'm saying? So the goal of teaching is for persuasion. Persuasion so it should be compelling by overwhelming evidence that is an overwhelming evidence for what is written overwhelming evidence for what is written so we've seen the word all scripture is given by the inspiration of god we said uh, now inspiration of god means god breath uh that's not my focus today and it's profitable for us that is in view um that is what is of benefit, something that is advantageous. The scripture is for doctrine, that, is, that is, it is, it refers to learning, we can learn from the scripture, we can teach from the scripture, it's given for reproof. Reproof is for the Greek word, know, it applies for persuasion, given by evidence, and that is the goal of teaching, is for persuasion, at least it should be compelling by an overwhelming evidence of what is written. And for correction, correction is from the Greek word epanothosis, E-P-A-N-O-R-T-H-O-S-I-S. E-P-A-N-O-R-T-H-O-S-I-S, epanothosis. It implies to straighten up, to rectify. That is, where there seems to be contradiction, the scripture is being a rectification to the mind. So that is where you're having contradictions, where you're having confusions, where you're having conflicting thoughts, we return back to where? the scriptures to rectify it. So does that make sense? We return back to the scripture to straighten up that, that belief. So the scripture is given for rectification to the mind for those being thoughts. So it helps to correct wrong impressions. So that is why this church is the place where you unlearn certain things you've been learning before you just unlearn them so the scripture is given to to so it helps to correct wrong impressions poor understanding and it's, it's all those your poor understanding of several beliefs, the scripture helps you, or teaching of God's word helps you and gives you a proper explanation to it. So we've seen profitable for doctrine, right? We've seen reproof. We've seen correction. Now, let's see instruction. The word instruction is from the Greek word paideia, P-A-I-D-E-I-A. P-A-I-D-E-I-A. It implies training and nurturing. So the scripture is for training. So a believer must be trained. Is for training, nurturing. So Paul thought using the same word in Ephesians. Let's see how Paul used that word padiai in Ephesians 6 verse 4. Ephesians 6 verse 4. Quickly, 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 quickly. Who is there? Ephesians 6 verse 4. I'll wait for you. Ephesians 6 verse 4. You there? Okay. Ephesians 6 verse 4. It says... And ye fathers, provoke not your children to rot, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. It says, bring them up in nurture and admonition of the Lord. So can we say in training? Can we say that? Can we say in nurturing, right? So it says, bring them up in training, admonition of the Lord. So and that's the work of a father. Now look at the writers of Hebrews. Hebrews 12 verse, Hebrews 12 verse 5 to 11. Hebrews 12, verse 5 to 11. We're still looking at the word part DIA. Hebrews 12, verse 5 to 11. Hebrews 12, verse 5 to 11. Are you there? Hebrews 12, verse 5 to 11. Yes, sir. Hebrews 12, verse 5 to 11. Don't forget, we are still studying fasting. But it seems like we're going to so many pocket places before we get to our teaching for the past. Since we started this series, right? I, I'm sure it's good for your health. It's good for your health. In fact, he says, many scriptures good for your health. Uh, Hebrews 12, verse 5 to 11. And ye have forgotten the exhortation we speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord. Now he used the word chastening, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. He says, for when the Lord loveth, for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. And scourges every son whom he receive, So don't expect that training is going to be rub my shoulder, part my back. There's going to be, stop it! I will slap you now. I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm just joking. But training is not always easy. Training is going to require some corrections. And nobody likes correction. I've not seen a person that likes correction. I remember one time, I've shared this story with you. Uh, I was in my pastor's church, and I was to attend the meeting I did not sign up for. He called the Soul Winners Conference, and it's strictly for Saint community workers. And I was just there, thinking, because I just saw him in the office a couple of minutes ago, and we gisted, and we we're good. I thought, aha, I'm good. You know? So I came in, sat down in the front, and he just came into the pulpit. He said, is this boy? He just called one of the pastor's. Is this boy supposed to be here? You see? Then I became the object of co- the object of conversation. He said, Is this supposed to be here? So uh, the one of the pastors came to speak on my behalf. So me, I went to meet him trying to appease him on the pulpit. He said, Come. He said, they don't used to do like that. Next time you will tell me <laughs> that you want to attend this meeting. Ah. I shocked my eye. Everybody was yelling, I was scourging me. In fact, it was even a life meeting. So I'm sure people outside the country who are workers were seeing me as I was receiving my instruction and rebuke. So since then, even if the meeting is happening beside my house, Pastor Plissa cannot attend. <laughs> I learned by it. I learned. And you get to what I say. But instructions. Are not always easy. It's not um chastening, I mean, are not always easy. Look at what it says in verse seven. It says, if ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? Are you saying it? He says, But if ye be without chastening, whereof are ye or partakers, then are ye bastard and not sons. So that shows you must endure chastening. Tell your neighbor say so you must endure chastening. So now, the word chastening is from the Greek word padiae also. So that is the end point of teaching of salvation, true faith in Christ Jesus, is spiritual growth. So when he says, let's go back to our, to our first second, uh, first Timothy. Let's go back to our second Timothy, not first Timothy, sorry. Second, second Timothy 3 verse 16. Second Timothy 3 verse 16. So that is now the end goal of the teaching of salvation which is true faith in christ jesus is spiritual growth so timothy was known to have grown not just in knowledge but also in the ability to teach the same timothy has grown timothy has come to that point where he's growing and one of the characteristics of spiritual growth is that the believer becomes a master in teaching So now, one of the things I'll ask you is, can you teach? You know, the Bible says, a bishop must be apt to teach. Are you developing your teaching skills gradually? The more you do this, the more you get better, obviously. But see, there is a skill to it. You must learn to pay attention to details when you are listening. A good listener is a good speaker. Are you getting what I'm saying? See, let me teach you. A good listener is a good teacher. How did pastor explain this text? How was it used? How did they navigate their ways? You must know how to do those things. It helps your teaching ministry grow effectively. Because to handle the scriptures requires effectiveness. Ability to communicate. See, let me tell you. Many of you know what you have learned. But you cannot communicate. How many of you have been encountered on how church is? On something you know, but you cannot explain it very well. How many of you? How many of you? You know it all, but <laughs> ah, you just remember and say, ah, what's going on? Now, the reason why that is happening to you is a lack of skill. You can't communicate effectively. So, a good preacher or a good teacher of the scripture is a good listener. That is why we do transcribing. That's why we do taking notes. That's why, so that you can go over those things. If you are able to write them down effectively, you should be able to teach it. Are you getting what I'm saying? If you're able to pen it down, your note is accurate, your note is detailed, you should be able to teach it. You should be able to explain from the same. It's not just pour and paste. Also listening. Listening to what you are writing, Listening to what you are putting down. Are you getting what I'm saying? Listening to it. So that is, this teaching from the scripture will bring spiritual growth. It will bring spiritual growth. So that is, when we teach from the scriptures, men will grow spiritually. Not become life coach. So you want your disciples to grow spiritually? You have to learn how to teach effectively. Does that make sense? You have to learn to be skillful in teaching. And I told you, you have to train. Remember I told you that last week. There's a difference between teaching and training. You have to train. How do you do this? How do you You know you can train people on how to open even the Bible. You can train people on how to how to how to take notes. You can, take people, you can train people. So Look at what he now says in verse 17, that the man of God may be perfect and thoroughly furnished. The word perfect is translated from the Greek word hathios, A-R-T-I-O-S, which implies complete. Hathios, the, the man of God may be perfect, that is the man of God may be complete. And the term thoroughly furnished, where it says perfect, thoroughly furnished, the word thoroughly furnished from the Greek word exartizo, E-X-A-R-T-I-Z-O, exartizo, and it implies to be fully equipped. So, that, so why are you receiving training? Why are you seated here on a Tuesday learning God's word? You are trying to be perfect, right? You are trying to be complete. You are trying to be fully equipped. Does that make sense? Why are you taking notes? You are trying to train yourself, right? Right, guys? You are trying to grow effectively. So when Paul said, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, he implied that the profitability of the scripture is in the teaching. The profitability of the scriptures is in the teaching or the learning of salvation through faith in Christ. And what will that do? It will produce evidence. It will produce correction and spiritual growth. And this will result in the believer being fully equipped to be able to teach others also. So he starts from you. So that shows for you to raise disciples, like I explained last week, for you to be able to raise embryos, right? Uh, embryos, right? Uh, my English teacher. Embryos. embryos, okay. For you to be able to raise embryos, like, <laughs> like Aaron would say, embryos. For you to be able to raise embryos. <laughs> <laughs> oh, from, for you to, be able to develop people from embryos to. To what? English teacher for, for, uh, to feed us for you to uh, for 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 you to be able to develop people from embryos to feed us. <laughs> 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 then to what again? Uh, to newborns. newborns? I say it. Say, say it yourself. New <laughs> newborns. Okay. For 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 you to be able to develop people from embryos to. Feed us to ones. <laughs> <laughs> you must be skillful. Are you getting what I'm saying? Hallelujah. <laughs> you must be skillful. You must be skillful. Third say you must be skillful. You, you must be fully equipped. Mm-hmm. So that so, so that so the end goal of Bible doctrine, the, no, no, don't let me say Bible doctrine. The goal of Bible study is so that you are thorough, you are perfect, you are furnished, and you are equipped. Does that make sense? And it produces spiritual growth, and that will result in the believer being fully equipped and able to teach others also. So, you are convinced, you are corrected, you are instructed in Righteousness. And you are perfect. You are thoroughly furnished for yourself and for who, for all that's also, like for like in Aaron's voice again, your embryos, the fetus, the newborns, just like that. (laughs) So when the knowledge is lacking or absent, such a believer is unsettled in their mind. So, but so when when that knowledge is lacking. Or absent. Such a believer is unsettled in their mind. And possibly gets to the point of doubting their salvation. When they are not convinced. When they are not equipped. When they are not thoroughly furnished. That believer gets unsettled. He gets unsettled in his mind. And he gets to that point where he is unsettled even about his salvation. Look at what Paul said in Galatians 1 verse 6. Galatians 1 verse 6. Galatians 1, verse 6, it says, I marvel that ye are soon so removed from he that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there should be some that trouble you and will pervert the gospel of Christ. And that's what happens to many Christians. It says, I marvel that ye are soon so removed from he that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and will pervert you from the gospel of Christ. The word remove is from the Greek word metatimi. Let me use that word. M-E-T-A-T-I-T-H-E-M-I. M-E-T-A-T-I-T-H-E-M-I. And it implies to take away from a fixed position. To take away from a fixed position. That is, you are grounded in something. You believe the message, but somebody has troubled you. Your mind is now unsettled, and that's because you are not equipped. It implies to take away from a feast position. Look at what he also says, which is not another. But there be some that trouble you. The word trouble you is from the Greek word tharazo, t a r a s s o, It's which implies to unsettle. To make to lose confidence. It makes you lose confidence. To create anxiety. To panic. You're just panicking. You're just anxious. You're just unsettled. You, you just lose your confidence on certain things you believe. And such believers in their mind are those to and fro. They become unstable. They become children, why? Because their mind is unsettled as touching the teaching of the message. So we can say those believers now are not growing, right? They are not stable, they are not equipped, they are not thoroughly furnished. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, because you as a believer needs to be thoroughly furnished, needs to be skillful, by teaching others. So you are skillful. You produce spiritual growth. And the end result is you teach others. And they too are that way. And you get what I'm saying. But some people get troubled. Some people get uh, 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 tossed to and fro because they are not thoroughly following. Look at Ephesians 4, verse 14 to 16. Are you enjoying this? We're still looking at fasting. Ephesians 4, verse 14 to 16. And we just four verse fourteen to sixteen that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. You know, so it's children who are tossed to around. Children, the word children is from the Greek word nephews. It implies undeveloped. They are undeveloped, immature. So, so that's children. So it says that you henceforth be no more children, toes to and fro. Children there in the Greek is the word nepios, N-E-P-I-O-S, nepios. It implies undeveloped, immature. So when a believer is growing spiritually, he is stable on God's word. But once a believer is not growing spiritually, he is unstable. They start to doubt. They start to get troubled. They start to have anxiety. We say the word trouble is the word tharazo, They start to lose confidence. They start to panic. So he says, That we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about, With every weed of doctrine, By the slight of men, craftiness whereby the in waits to deceive. So, it's, so, the assurance of the believer is formed solely from the written word. Say my assurance? assurance. You're not, so, not my answering. Assurance. My, assurance my assurance is formed solely on the, on the written word. On the written word. And all we teach you in this church is the written word. We don't teach you experiences, we don't teach you visions. We teach you visions from the scriptures, but we don't use visions to teach. I don't come to you and say, hallelujah, brethren. I just saw something yesterday, and I see that this is the mystery of the cat and the bingo. And, and I say, today's message is the cat and the bingo. <laughs> Once that happens, just stop praying for me. Just say, ah, finally, you have lost it. <laughs> I get to what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, all that, so uh, because what we, uh, the believer must be found solely on the written word. All that God has done in Christ, not in experiences, visions, opinions, and yeses. You, the basis of your faith must not be on yeses. You find people teach certain things before. And suddenly get troubled. The word trouble, They lose confidence in what they've thought. They lose confidence in what they've explained to people. They lose confidence. They get panic and anxious on what they've done before. That's to tell you they are not growing spiritually. They are unstable. Are you getting what I'm saying? They are unstable. Look at in Ephesians four twenty. Ephesians 4 verse 20, it says, But ye have not so learned Christ. In other words, it is the learning of Christ from the written word that makes the believer stable. So you want your disciples to get stable. You want yourself to get stable. Feed on the word. And check all our materials. We don't have any materials on stories. All our archives, all our messages. We don't have any one on, on just on stories or something. No. Everything is core Bible doctrine. Bible explanations left here, left and right center. There is no message you will listen to that you won't find a lot of scriptures. Am I right? Am I right? Yeah. Because your our opinion, our our our, our the doctrine of Christ is not on on essays or opinions. It's solely on the scriptures. Solely on the scriptures. Solely on the scriptures. So, it is the learning of Christ from the written word that makes the believer stable and assures him of his salvation. And that is how the believer grows up into all things in Christ. In Ephesians 4 verse 15, it says, Speaking the truth in love may grow up into all things which is the head, even Christ. So, having seen that, The believer must be thought concerning the faith. So you as a believer, what are you injuring your faith on? Opinions? Yeses? Questions? Four minutes conversation of somebody on YouTube? Or the written word? Are you getting what I'm saying? Or you are troubled, tarazzo, you are losing your confidence, you are panicking. You are anxious. Once you find yourself in that state, it shows you are not feeding on the world. It shows you are not growing. It shows you are unstable. Your faith must not be an opinion. The basis of your faith must be on the written word. See the basis of my faith. The basis of my faith you're not sounding like a minute. Basis of my faith must, be must be on the written word, written and that word. must be for those you are teaching. You don't give them what you are not taught. You give them the written word, just like your thoughts. Paul says, commit unto faithful men. The things I have committed to you. So just as you have been committed, just as they have been committed to you, you commit it to people also. So the scriptures are the basis of our faith. So just that way, the scriptures teaches us on the practice of fasting. And we said last week that the practice of fasting is to abstain from food and drink for a period of time. How many if you remember that? It's to abstain from food and drink for a period of time. Why? The basis of the Christian faith must be on the scriptures. Are right? you getting what I'm saying? So if we say you should fast, fasting now will not be on what somebody has said, right? It will be on an opinion, right? It won't be on a she-say-he-say, say, right? It won't be on a 4 minutes conversation on YouTube or a TikTok 50 seconds video. It must be hinged on what? The scriptures. The profitability of the scriptures. We said the scripture is given for, the, for inspiration. Right? We say all scripture is given by the inspiration of God, which is profitable of felimus. that is it is benefit, it is of benefit, something that is advantageous, that is helpful, is profitable for doctrine. We said doctrine that that's Kalia learning, right? Teaching, reproof, that is elenoch, that is in persuasion by giving evidence, right? We said that a goal and the goal of teaching is for persuasion. So it should be by compelling and giving an overwhelming evidence from what is written. And the scripture will also correct you, or panoptosis. It's given for correction. That is, it will straighten you up. It will rectify every gray areas in your heart. When, we are, when you are well thought, the scriptures, it will correct all the gray areas in your heart. It corrects the wrong impressions, poor understanding, and all of those things. And we said, it's given for instruction in righteousness. That is, it's for training, for nurturing you. So the scriptures will nurture you. It will give you that training. So, the scriptures also teach us on the doctrine or the practice of fasting to abstain from food and drink for a particular period of time. And we said, now, fasting can be seen throughout the scriptures where someone or a group of people Decide to abstain from food and drink for a period of time. Look at Judges. I showed you certain scriptures last week, but that's for last week. We're going for more. See, we are going for more. Because we said it must be for evidence, right? It must be for persuasion, right? right. Look at Judges 20, verse 26. we well, looking at the Old Testament books. George, let's, look, let's start from there. Then we'll gradually build. Judges twenty verse twenty six. Are you ready for teaching? I'm just get into my message. Judges twenty verse twenty six. Judges twenty verse twenty six. Look at what happened here. Are you there? Yes, I will wait for you. Judges twenty verse twenty six. My English teacher is not there. Can somebody help her? <laughs> so she, so she's not an. A fetus, embryo, embryo, Okay, the embryo. Okay. <laughs> it's after Revelations, though. Judges is after Revelations, but before Genesis. <laughs> 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 Alright, Judges 20, verse 26. I like the fact that I'm seeing Noah face to face. Face to face. Face to face. (laughs) Alright, look at it. And all the children of Israel and all the people went up and came unto the house of God and wept and sat there before the Lord and fasted that day. Look at what happened. All the children of Israel and all the people went up and came unto the house of God, wept and sat there before the Lord, and fasted that day, even, and fasted that day until even until even means evening, and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. Now the first thing to note is the word fasted. The word fasted in the Hebrew is the word tisum. T-U T-S-U-W-M. T-S-U. WM. It's a verb which implies to cover over. To cover over. That is the mouth. To cover over. And this was the very first time an author of the Old Testament book of the Bible thought with the word fasted. Uh, we are looking at the word fasted. F A S T E D. Now, secondly, in reading in context, observe the explanation of the writer. The children of Israel fasted. That is, when we say fasted now, you should know they were without food and drink. Food. (laughs) Let me explain that drink again. Because we live in a world where you can be fasting, but Starbucks is still in your hands. Because some people, it's their early morning custom. To quickly drink coffee in the United States. That's not fasting. The day you want to fast, you can't drink coffee. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. 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 Up up Jesus. No. 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 Okay, good. <laughs> you, you cannot drink latte, cappuccino, frappuccino, frappuccino mocha. mocha. English, Chinese, <laughs> one again. Any coffee product that you know? No. You what? don't drink of it? matcha, Americano. 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 Espresso. Yes. Matcha. Oh, matcha. Matcha. <laughs> I don't drink coffee, so I don't know. So, okay. The only thing I drink is milk. Milk and sugar. No. <laughs> Hallelujah. I was all like, drink milk, sugar, water, and Jesus is, a, Jesus is glorified. And we my edified, mother. Hallelujah! Yeah. <laughs> I was like, dream. The day I drank coffee, let me tell you the story. It was Fable that rescued me. I drank coffee, and my heart started pounding. My heart was a big, 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 I thought it was a burden from the spirit. I just kept praying, shouting, ah, yabada, ah, I thought it was, I thought it was the Holy Ghost. Fable just said, Ah this one you are praying wait hold on hold on he said i understand i understand There is prayer i understand but she saw the dining table she saw that i drank so is it, is it this thing you drank i said yes he said hey, it's nobody i said you cannot tell me you know you want to you know you want to argue that as a preacher as a man of god that you want to mean that i cannot sense rightly I said no, it's not body. no. She said no. She said no, it's not body. I said, ah, the Lord wants to do something <laughs> <laughs> because my heart was eh? but later I not realized, realize because as a Christian, I've learned to trace every event that happens within my heart to a certain thing. So anytime I can't trace it, I'll just say, okay, maybe this is of God, you know. But this one, ah, ah is very traceable. As soon as I finished it. Bish, bish, bish. It was like they were playing soccer inside my, inside my heart. Bish, 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 go, you know? <laughs> ah, <laughs> since then, hmm, God forbid. I rebuke to Jesus too. <laughs> if I even travel around the world and I stop at any airport and I say <laughs> and I see Starbucks, I branch to the left. Or I order certain things from there without the coffee. I'll go to the vending machine and get orange juice. <laughs> if you're flying, they say, want tea or coffee? No tea, no coffee, water, straight. <laughs> Give me water. <laughs> you know. So, fasting is without food and without coffee. <laughs> and without drink or water so they just so now, observe certain things the children of israel fasted they were without food until on evening until on evening another thing to observe in this text is this judges 20 verse 26 they came into the house of the lord wept sat before the lord and offered burnt offering and peace offering before the lord as they fasted in other words what the writer is making us to understand here is to help us see that they did not just abstain from food alone. You know, a lot of us in today's world, not even just to say today's world, in this church, where you are fasting, all you are doing is, hallelujah, it's God. You are waiting on pastor's instruction. The next available shows. Come online. Everybody. Come online. Come online. We are meeting at 3 p.m. And that whatever you that year will be the one that will edify you that day. Uh, hallelujah. Glory with God. Then you go back to sleep. <laughs> 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 That's not fast to you. That's all gas strike. Because we want to, we want to fast shake your neighbor say want to fast. Want to fast. Ah, you are not fast your neighbor like all fast. Like, want to fast. 2023, <laughs> want to fast too. So the the writer did not look at what the writer is doing for us. You able to see that they did not just abstain from food alone, other activities that is spiritual activities also accompany the practice of their fasting. And the essence of this practice was all to the Lord. Look at what they did. They said they fasted on t- that day until evening. And what did they do? They offered burnt offerings, peace offerings before the Lord. So that shows it was a ministration to the Lord. It was done in devotion and consecration to the Lord. Now, let's look at other instances where the Bible thought with the word Tiswom. That is T-S-U-W-M. That word fasted. Look at First Samuel 7. First Samuel seven, verse four to six. Are you seeing that? How many of you, your eyes are beginning to open in this series that there's actually seriousness in, with fasting in the Bible? How many of you? How many of you that is happening? Ah, it has to, because a lot of people just shove these things away and they just feel like First Samuel seven. They just shove these things away and just feel like ah, there's nothing called fasting. Again. The, the bridegroom has fasted for us. <laughs> Alright, so first is everybody there? First Samuel seven, verse four to six. Are we there? Mm-hmm. Are we there? Alright, look at what it says. It says, The children of Israel did put away Balim and Asheroth and served the Lord. And Samuel said, Gather all Israel and Mishpat and Mishet. I will pray unto I'll pray for you unto the Lord. Look at it in verse six. He you know, it says as they gathered together to Mishpat and drew water. And poured it out before the Lord. And fasted that day and said, we have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the children of Israel in mission. So in this instance now, Samuel having judged the children of Israel because of their sinful conduct now. The sinful conduct in, in, in historical, if you read all through now, was that the, their sinful conduct was idolatry. It, Samuel now instructed them to gather unto the Lord so that he could pray to the Lord on their behalf. And that was similar to what happened in the example of that, Judges 20, verse 26. So the practice of fasting by the children of Israel was in devotion and consecration to the Lord. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now, let me teach you something in the Bible. We are not going to pick their practice on burning sacrifices, burnt offerings. You're not going to say, now that we want to fast now, we're going to start burning burnt offerings and peace offerings. No, you are going to pick the lesson. Are you getting what I'm saying? Look at, just put your hands there, go to Romans 12. Let me show you how to read the scriptures. For something, I'm not finding it there. Okay, it's Romans 15. Look at Romans 15. Romans 15, verse 4. Romans 15, verse 4. It says, For whatsoever things were written, I'll wait for you. Romans 15, verse 4. It says, Whatsoever things were written, a fourth time, were written for what? And that through patience and comfort of the scripture, we might have hope. Are you getting what I'm saying? So now, these writings we are reading in the Old Testament now, what are they written for? They are reading for our learning now. Look at 2 Samuel 12. Second Samuel 12, verse 16 to 23. 2 Samuel 12, verse 16 to 23. So now, we went all through our introduction now. So that you can be fully equipped that the scriptures talk a lot about fasting, right? Can we say that? Yes, can we say that? Yes, all right. Look at 2 Samuel 12, verse 16 to 23. David therefore besought God for the child, and David fasted, and went in, and lay all night upon all the earth. And the elders of the house arose and went with him, I'm reading verse 17 now, to raise him up from the earth. But he would not, neither did he eat bread with them. And it came to pass on the seventh day that the child died. And the servant of David feared to tell him that the child was dead. For they said, Behold, while the child was yet alive, we spake unto him, and would not hearken unto our voice. How will he then vex himself if we tell him that the child is dead? But when David saw that the servant whispered, David perceived that the child was dead. Therefore David said unto his servant, Is the child dead? And they said, He is dead. And David arose from the head and washed and anointed himself, and changed his apparel, and came into the house of the Lord, and worshipped. And he came into his own house, and he required, and he set him bread before him, and he did eat. Then he said to his servant unto him, What thing is this that hast thou done? Thou didst fast and weep for the child while he was alive. But when thou child was dead, thou didst rise and eat bread. 22, and he said, while the child was alive, I fasted and wept, and I said, who can tell whether God will be gracious to me that the child may live? Verse 23, now he's dead, wherefore should I fast? Can I bring him back again? Or shall I go to him? But he shall not return to me. Now, after prophet Nathan, now look at something to, look at, look at what happened here. After prophet Nathan, now judge David for his single con- conduct, because nathan now has told david ah this child you got you got it out of wedlock all of those things basheba story everything david later embarked on a seven days fast and the essence of that fast was to beseech the lord on behalf of the child so now in verse 20 david came into the house of the lord and worshipped now so that we mean Fasting was accompanying something. Are you getting what I'm saying? It beshears the Lord. So that, are you saying that there was a custom with the scriptures that men were giving to fasting? How I many of you have seen it? How I many of you have seen it now? So that shows a believer not giving to fasting doesn't know the scriptures. He is not accustomed to the scriptures. He is not even equipped. Can we say that? He is not matured. <laughs> Look at 1 Kings 21. First Kings verse 21, 1 Kings 21, one. First Kings 21, 27 to 29. And it came to pass, when Ahab heard those words, that he rent his clothes and put sackcloth upon his flesh and fasted, and lay in sackcloth, and went softly. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tish by saying, Seeest thou how Ahab humbled himself before me? Because he humbled himself before me, I will not bring the evil in his days, but upon his son's days will I bring the evil upon his house. <laughs> now, in this account now, after Ahab he heard about the evil that... After he heard about the evil that Jezebel his wife did to Naboth, if, if you if you are very conversant with the story of the scriptures now, you, you will see that uh, Jezebel did some evils to Naboth. What did Ahab did? Ah, Ahab quickly went to a peace for the wife and everything. <laughs> you know, when, when we say marry, where he why? There's a reason. Why there's a king, but there's a king in the king. Jezebel was. <laughs> Jezebel. Ahab did not want Naboth to die, but Jezebel killed Naboth. Ah, when he killed Naboth, Ayah went to start appeasing God, Lord. <laughs> so, he rent his clothes, put sackcloth upon his flesh, and fasted. Now, the writer in verse 29 help us to see that Ahab fasted to humble himself before the Lord. So we can say fasting now can mean we are humble. Are you seeing it? He has fasted to humble himself before the Lord. Now look at Ezra 8 verse 21 to 24. Are you seeing all these scriptures? So where we start fasting? Don't do smesme. smell smesme? It's a Greek word. Ezra 8. Verse to 24. Or you not going to tell me I forgot. Hmm. Ah, I just I woke up today and it didn't dawn on my heart. <laughs> <laughs> After all these teachings, it did not dawn on your heart. <laughs> As you are about to eat the food you are about to eat, it will rapture. You know, you just you just, you just you just see it moving on the sky. <laughs> Ezra eight verse twenty one to twenty four. Then I proclaimed. If are you there? Some of you are still looking for Ezra, man of God. I say, in your day, I just needed to put it so that the word we do so that you see that no know how to put the scriptures. Ah, in your day, hmm. may I not be like that. <laughs> Bye. All right. Look at Ezra 8, verse 21 to 24. Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river of Iava, and we might afflict. <laughs> it's the way this guy is right for me. <laughs> that we might afflict ourselves. <laughs> I can't use this word to you now in 2022. Imagine I tell you guys, when I pass out, we are past this and we can afflict ourselves. All of you just run away from the church. My English child will be the best way to run. <laughs> <laughs> you just <say>, afflict what? <laughs> <laughs> then I proclaimed the first day at the river of Ahaba that we might afflict ourselves before our God to seek him a right way for us and for the little ones and for all our substance. For I was ashamed to require of the king a band of soldiers and horsemen to help us against the enemy in the way. Because we have spoken unto the king, saying, The hand of our God is upon all of them for good that seek him. But his power and his wrath is against all of them that forsake him. Verse 23. So we fasted and besought God for this, and he entreated of us. Now, similarly, the reason Ezra proclaimed the fasts which he further explained was to afflict ourselves before God, and the essence was to seek the Lord, and that was also unto the Lord. Are you seeing that they've never nobody have ever fasted unto themselves? They've not done all this weight loss fast. I've never seen it. There is no weight loss fast they are doing. The intermittent fasting, of just stay off food so that you can lose weight. That's not what they did. All the fasting they did was unto the Lord, not unto your weight loss. Are you seeing it? Are you seeing it? Ha, Are you seeing it? <laughs> Nehemiah 1. We've not started though. Because I want to be giving you, I've made up my mind now, to be giving you people plenty of scriptures. So that if you want to get Tarazo troubled, <laughs> the scripture alone that you've heard cannot let you Tarazo. <laughs> Nehemiah. Nehemiah 1. Ezra Nehemiah. Thank you, Lord. So, you know, so now look at something. We when, when we study scriptures, and you see that the scriptures are majorly for our learning. So that way now we can be able to look at fasting as a topic. And we can go through the entire Bible and see how men did it, and pick an example from it and say, "Okay, this is how we can do it." I wonder if you are saying that now. So, do you know that 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 alone teaches us that there is nothing we can learn from the Scriptures? I wonder if you notice that now. So, because if the Scriptures talk a lot of fasting, why should we now play down fasting? I don't know if you get what I am saying. Why should we? Because we must look at the scriptures with utmost um, power. Reading. What scripture did I call for you again? Nehemiah. All right. Nehemiah 1, verse 4 to 6. Look at what it says. And it came to pass. When I heard this word, that I sat down and wept, and mourned certain days, and fasted, and prayed before God of heaven. And said, "I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God, that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love Him and observe His commandments, let the high, let their ear be attentive and their eyes open, that thou mayest hear the prayer of their servant." Which I pray before the day and night, and the children of Israel, servant, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against Thee, both I and my father's house have sinned. Now, so Nehemiah expressly stated that he fasted and prayed before the God of evil. Now, did he do intermittent with loss fast? Did he do that? All right, look, let's see Isaiah, Isaiah fifty-eight. Are you see that we are looking through the scriptures, so so don't go and do smell smell. Don't go and tell me tomorrow and say you don't believe in fasting. Look at Isaiah 15, verse 3 to 4. And say, ah, why is it? Why is it 40, 40 days? Ah, you know, people, <laughs> once something is getting too long like that, you just be getting tarazot. You <laughs> just ah, we've done 40 days, 80 days. Is that not even enough. Ah, ah, but we are doing 120 already. ah. Ah, ah! Look at Isaiah fifty-eight, verse three to four. Are you there? Yes, Sorry, what did you say? Yes, <laughs> Wherefore have we fasted, say they, and thou seest not? Wherefore have we afflicted our soul, but and thou takest no knowledge? Behold, in the day of. Ye. The day of your fast, ye shall find pleasure and exact of your labors. Behold, ye fast for strife and debate and to smite the feast of wickedness. Ye shall not fast as ye do this day to make your voice to be heard on high. Now, on this account, Isaiah was judging the nation of Israel for their attitude when they fast. Observe in verse 4 what he says. He says, ye shall not fast as ye do this day to make your voice be heard on high. So, in context, fasting is, this fasting was not unto the Lord. Because their whole fasting now was to make their voice heard. So, he rebuked them for what they did. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now, in this Isaiah 58 now, we can see Isaiah was correcting their actions on their fasting. That they 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 were not fasting unto the Lord. They were fasting so that they would be heard. Their voices would be heard. They would be loud. Are you seeing it? All right. Look at Jeremiah fourteen, verse eleven to twelve. Jeremiah fourteen, verse eleven to twelve. Are you seeing it, guys? Guys, are you seeing it? Are you see how many scriptures we are open? We are just starting. We've not we've not opened scripture. We are just starting. Jeremiah fourteen, verse eleven to twelve. Are you there? Jeremiah 14, verse 11 to 12. It says, Then said unto the people, they said unto the Lord, unto me, pray not for these people for their good. When they fast, I will not hear their cry. (laughs) When they offer burnt offerings, and oblation, I will not accept them, but I will consume them by my sword and by the famine and the pestilence. We're still going to study all of these controversies later. I call it controversies. Jeremiah was judging Israel's conduct in this place. That is why he says, When they fast, I will not hear their cry, I will not accept them. In other words, the fasting being referred to in contest year was not unto the Lord. They were fasting for another motive. Are you getting what? They were fasting for their own material motive. Now look at Zechariah 7. Verse 4 to 7. Zechariah 7. Zechariah 7. Zachariah seven. The seven, uh, seven verse four to seven. Are you there? Zechariah, not Zephaniah, Zachariah. Zechariah seven. Zechariah 7, verse 4 to 7. He says, When, it says, Then came the word of the Lord of hosts unto me, saying, Speak unto all the people of the land, and to the priests, saying, When ye fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh month, even those seventy years did ye at all fast unto me, even to me? <laughs> and when they did eat, and when ye drink, did ye not eat for yourself and, drank, and drink to yourself? Should ye not hear the words which the Lord had cried by the former prophets, which when Jerusalem w- was inhabited in, in prosperity, and when the cities thereof round about her, and when men inhabited the south and the plain? So Zechariah corrected the children of Israel concerning the observance of fasting. In the fifth and seventh months, from his words in verse 5, you will see that it was evident that they were to observe those periods of fasting as devotion, as consecration, as worship unto the Lord. So, this was the obvious reasons why they were being corrected. You notice that the prophets were correcting the actions of the people for fasting. Because fasting was meant to be for devotion, for consecration. For worship unto the Lord. So from all these instances we have seen now, it is evident that the practice of fasting, either as individuals or with a congregation, ought to be a consecration and a devotion unto the Lord. I'll say it again. So if you want to have a personal fast. So we've seen people having personal fasting. We've seen people having congregational fasting, the children of Israel, called as congregational fasting. It must be for consecration and devotion unto the Lord. Are you getting what I'm saying now? Are you getting it? So now, there were other other instances where the Bible, where the books of the Bible, where fasting was not also unto the Lord. Now, we want to see certain places where... Let's look at a place where fasting was not unto the Lord, but they fasted. 1 Samuel 31. Because in teaching the Bible, you must be very honest. Don't be scared of Bible truth. Pastor will say, you should not be scared of Bible. The, the, the consequences of Bible study. You might like it, you might not like it. Just don't be scared. 1 Samuel 31, verse 11 to 13. 1 Samuel 31, verse 11 to 13. 1 Samuel 31, verse 11 to 13. Eleven to twelve. Are you there? I wait for you. It says Psalm 11 to twelve. And when the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead heard that which the Philistines has done to Saul, all the all the valiant men rose and went all night and took the body of Saul and the bodies of the son from the wall of Becham and came to Jabesh and burnt them there. Look at what happened in verse 30, 13. And they took their bones and buried them under the tree at Jabesh and fasted seven days. You know, this was not unto the Lord. This was because the, the, somebody died and they decided to just mourn the person. Are you seeing it now? So in this account, the they fasted several days to mourn Saul, because this was Saul that died, and all of those things. So Saul was murdered by the Philistines here, and you, 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 we can also see another account where it was documented in in, in in First Chronicles ten. Look at First Chronicles ten. So you see that they they fasted just to mourn this guy now, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it wasn't that they fasted to the Lord. So just to just to show you the truth of the scriptures that. Some fastings were done because they wanted to mourn certain people, but the major essence of fasting was majorly to be done as a consecration. Are you getting me? Devotion and personal uh, and, um, and um, devotion unto the Lord. Look at First Chronicles 10, verse 11 to 12. Look at, look at another, the similar story there, or another account of the story. First Chronicles 10, verse 11 to 12. Are you enjoying this? Are you enjoying this, guys? Mm-hmm. All right, guys, you're not responding. I want you stop. Yes, all right. And when all, all Jabesh Gilead heard all that the Philistines has done to Saul, they arose all the valiant men and took the body of Saul and the bodies of, son, of, the, of his sons and brought them to Jabesh and buried their bones under the hook in Jabesh and fasted seven days. So are you seeing that? The fasting of the seven days they did now was just to mourn Saul. Are you seeing it? Because he was a king, and their king is dead, so you probably in their custom they just did that to show obedience and something like that. So in similar manner, David fasted for even David fasted for the evening and Saul and Jonathan when when who were killed by the Philistines. Also, look at the second Samuel one verse eleven to twelve. Second Samuel. I'm going to. One job of a Bible preacher is to ensure that he feeds his people with a lot of information. And the people are well-grounded with the scriptures. Are you getting what I'm saying? That's the work of a Bible preacher. And we trust God to, to, to do more and to do that. Look at 2 Samuel 1. Are you there? Verse 11 to, verse 11 to 12. Somewhere you see some, you see that David also mourned. David also mourned them with fasting. Look at 2 Samuel, Samuel 1. So 1 Samuel 1, verse 11 to 12, it says, Then David took old on his clothes and rent them, and likewise all the men that were with him. And they mourned and wept and fasted until evening for Saul and for Jonathan his son and for all the people of the Lord, for the house of Israel, because they were falling by the sword. Are you seeing it? Now, was this fasting because of a devotion and consecration to God? No, so their fasting was just to mourn Saul and Jonathan. Are you seeing it? Look at the in Esther 4, verse 11 to 17. Esther 4, verse 11 to 17. So, say we are just opening scriptures. Ah, What should I have taught you with? I will come and tell you, brethren. let's just fast. We don't know we should just be fasting. Esther 4. It says, verse 11 to 17. Are you there? Yes, and the king's servant and the people of the king's province do know that whosoever, whether man or woman, shall come into the king, into the inner court, who is not called there, and no one puts him put into death, except such whom the king shall hold unto the golden scepter, that he may live. But I have not been called to come into the king into these 30 days. And they told to. And they told to Mordecai Esther's words. And Mordecai commanded, Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. For if thou although holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their, their, their enlightenment and deliverance arise. To the Jews from another place, but thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou shalt come into the kingdom for such a time as this? And Esther bade them return. Mordecai had this answer. Look at what he says in verse 16 Go gather together all of the Jews and present them as Shusam, and fast ye for me, neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. I also, my maidens, will fast likewise. So I will go into the king and I will not, which is not according to the law. If I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went all the way and did according to all that Esther has commanded them. Now, look at what happened here. The children of Israel were to have a three days congressional fast together with Esther in order to find favor in the sight of the king and to obtain a turnaround concerning the impending genocide of the Jews by the hand of Naaman. Now, so we, we've seen all the examples above, and we, we've seen all the scriptures we, we've used. Uh, other than the habit of Jabesh Gilead and David, who who fasted and mourned, saw we saw Mordecai and Esther and the Jews who fasted to find favor in the sight of the king, and every other instances we, we saw uh, were those people who fasted and did so unto the Lord. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Now I showed you this Esther story now to make you see that. These guys now, in this extra story, they fasted just because they want to receive favor from from, their, from the king. Are you getting what I'm saying? They, theirs was not a consecration unto the Lord. They are only just to fast away, Lord, let us just find favor in the sight of this guy. Now, so at this juncture, now, it is pertinent for us to know that the writers of the Old Testament books of the Bible use similar word to t You know, we say fasting from the Greek word him right? in explaining the practice of fasting. Now, for instance, for instance now, in Second Samuel 12 and 16, look at Second Samuel 12 and 16, are you guys getting this, guys? Are you are you understanding this? we uh, have... So when we start fasting next year, those who you are not informed, though. When we start the series of 40, 40, 40, 40 days, don't say I did not tell you. Tell your neighbor, say Pastor told you. To Nobody is hmm. saying that. Second Samuel. Hmm. Nobody is talking. Hmm. Okay. All I know is if you see if, if food mistakenly enter your mouth, that period, it will rupture. So Those like of you that used to cook before, you just say, ah, okay, thank God. But it not to even become more lazy. <laughs> all right, second Samuel twelve verse sixteen. I'll, I'll I'll try and round up very soon so that uh, we can we we'll continue from here next week. Second Samuel twelve verse sixteen. Look at something. What does he say? Every day shall be so the God for the child and they fasted and went in and lay all night upon the earth. Now, the word fasted in that text. is translated for the Greek word tsomt some. And it's a noun which implies a fast, tsom, tsom, and it's it's a noun which implies a fast. Why tsom, tsum is the verb form of tsom, and it's a noun form, and it explains why the writers use the word, taught with the word tsom and until some um, simultaneously just use those words for instance you will see in second samuel 12 verse 16 to 23 you see that they use that word you see in extra 4 verse 3 extra 4 verse 3 extra 4 verse 15 to 17. you also see in um let me just give you text should i just give you text instead of opening it because there's a lot let me just, let me just give you that Let's open it. First Kings twenty one verse nine to twelve. So I say, ah, that's tough. You could have just called this. We gotta check it, though. It's a lie. All the tests I've given you this life. How many have you checked it? Check that, <laughs> Let's be fast. Now we want to do fast test word. First Kings twenty one verse nine to twelve. We want to read them. Are you there? All right. Then she wrote letters saying, Proclaim a fast. Are you seeing the word fast there? And set Nabob upon the high and upon the people. And the two, and set two men, sons of Belial, before him, and bear witness against him, saying, Thou didst blaspheme God and the king, and carry him, and stone him, that he may die. And the men of the city, even the elders of nobles, uh, the inhabitants of the city, did as Jezebel had sent to them, and all of those things. In verse 12, it now says, They proclaimed a fast. And set nabot on eye. So, we, you know, we were you know, we saying something that t-sum, t-s-o-m, is the noun, which implies a fast. Why t-s-u-m is the verb in its noun form, that is, and they use it simultaneously. Fasted, fast, you know, they use it all of those things. You also see, second, okay, let me just quote, quote some of this text for you. Second Chronicles 20, verse 3 to 6. 2 Chronicles 20, verse 3 to 6. They'll open it I'll, I'll show you where we'll open second chronicles 20 verse 3 to see just put that down for your reference ezra 8 verse 21 ezra 8 21 nehemiah 9 verse 1 to 3 extra 31 verse 32 esther 9 sorry esther 9 verse 31 to 32 esther 9 verse 31 to 32 all right open to psalm 35 verse 13 psalm 35 verse 13 Psalm thirty-five, verse thirteen. I believe if you grew up in a very orthodox church, or in all of this, um, um, in all of this church where they believe so many practices, you cannot ev- escape this Psalm thirty-five. How many of you know what I'm talking about? How many of you understand the epignosis of Psalm thirty-five? <laughs> you can't escape it. I remember when I was much younger. Let me tell you one story. My father took me to one church, one prophetess. She says, that it is." I'll tell you what she said later. Then but she gave me a soap and a sponge and a water. Then they told me to read Psalm 35 for my water every morning. So my my father and my mother will supervise me uh, (laughs) when I get to the restroom. So I'll carry my Bible like this and I'll go inside. I "I plead my cause, oh Lord. (laughs) And I'll be reading it to the water. As soon as I read it to the water, I'll add the water. They'll give me ah, that's when I knew that idol worship is true in this life. I told myself that <laughs> I will never in my second if there's a second life, I will never believe things like this. I hate anything. Once, once, once people start telling you, use this soap, use this on me. Ah, that's idol worship Lumi somewhere in the so they gave me a soap. Everything was smelling like I came from the shrine. So as I finish bathing, <laughs> as I finish bathing, I'll be looking at my body, I'll be smelling my body, I'll be smelling like someone that just came from uh, one one abalist house. And the place actually looks like abalist, because they wore white garments, honestly. The woman wore white garments, she just look at me, I look at me, 35, like, Give it 35. that soap, buy it there. that sponge, buy it there, collect that water, that all. Let it be really at because my parents believe I was the problem child of the family. So, my mother, every morning, have you read your Psalm 35 or your water? (laughs) They will come and knock my door in the morning. Have you read Psalm 35? Wake up, wake up, wake up. Read it. (laughs) You might not understand the genesis of this thing, but the Lord will show it to you. All right. Look at Psalm 35, verse 13. But as for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I almost, so me, I used to read it with tears then. I humbled myself. (laughs) <laughs> we fast. And my prayer turned out to my own bosom. <laughs> so they said fast. Look at look at um Psalm 69, verse 9 to 13. Psalm 69, verse 9 to 13. Are you see that you there's a lot of fasting scripture? You cannot but not fast. <laughs> Are you see that it is people that don't know the Bible that will tell you fasting is not New Testament. Are you guys seeing it? Ah. As is over testament. Eh? <laughs> Look at what it says in Psalm 69 verse 9. For the zeal of my house has eaten me up. You know, Jesus quoted this text later on in Matthew. He, he, he says, for the zeal of my, of my house has eaten me up and reproaches them that are falling upon me. When I wept and chastened my soul with fasting, that was to my reproach. I made circles to the garment and became a proverb to them. So he says, with fasting. As Psalm 109, Psalm 109. Verse 24 to 26. Psalm 109, verse 24 to 26. Psalm 109, verse 24 to 26. He says, My knees are weak through fasting, and my flesh faileth of fastness, of fatness. I became also a reproach unto them, and when they looked upon me, they shaked their head. You see Isaiah 58, verse 3 to 6. Just put that down for your reference. Isaiah 58, verse 3 to 6. Jeremiah 36, verse 6 to 9. Jeremiah 36, verse 6 to 9. Let's look at Daniel 9, verse 1 to 5. I want us to see what Daniel said. Daniel 9, verse 1 to 5. Who is Daniel here? Who is Daniel? Daniel 9. I think I'm saying this for the second time. I think I'm maybe I'm looking for a Daniel. Maybe. Oh, right. Daniel nine is. Daniel nine. It is not one, two, five, I have a, a, five, May I not be like that. The world does not know how to open Bible. Wow. All right. Look at Daniel 9. Verse 1 to 5. In the first year of Zarius, the son of Asheros, the seed of the Medes, which made king over the realms of Shaudians, in the first year of the reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books, the numbers of years, whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, the prophet, that it will accomplish 70 years of desolation of Jerusalem. Look at what it says in verse 3, very key. I set my face unto the Lord to seek by prayer and supplication with fasting. Ah, yeah. And circle. are you seeing, it says, seek the Lord with prayer, supplication, and with fasting. Look at Joel 1, 11 to 15. Joel 1, 11 to 15. Uh, Joel 1, 11 to 15. And you say that you cannot read the Bible and, and say there is no fast, except you didn't read. Joel 1, verse 11. Uh uh-uh. uh, oh, Noah. Man of God. Hmm. There's no natural Bible. All right, Joel 1, verse level to 15. Be ye ashamed, oh ye husband. I'm sure if Abraham was here, he too would have failed. I don't know why I had to put it. <laughs> <laughs> but ye ashamed. If you call it this, you will not be looking no but you will not open it. But ye ashamed, oh ye husband. O ye vine dressers, for the wheat and the barley. Avest of the feed is perished. Tony will be familiar like Bible too. It's a lie. And the vine is dried up. And the fig tree languishes. The pomegranate tree and the palm tree. Even all the feeds of the withered. Because joy is withered away from the sons of men. Gather yourself, As I read that, joy is withered. I remember joy. joy. Guide yourself and lament ye priests. O ye ministers of the author, come like all night in the circle, ye ministers of God, for my meat and offerings, for the drink offering, and it from your house and go. Look at what it says in verse 14. Sanctify ye fast. Call the solemn assembly. Ah, I remember when I was in secondary school or in high school. There's something they do every Saturday morning, 7, p- 7 a.m. Solemn assembly. <laughs> my Lord and my God. You can't, so we're going to listen to a radio station. And we're going to hear solemn assembly. I will give you the, the, the epignosis of it later. Not this. Not for today's service. Ah, ah. Mm. Call a solemn assembly. Gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land into the house of the Lord, and all. So it says, they called the fast. Are you saying? Look at Joel two, verse twelve to seventeen. Look at look at the next chapter, verse twelve to seventeen. It says, Therefore also now saith the Lord, turn ye even to me. All your heart with fasting, and with weeping and with mourning. He says, so, it, it says, and rend your heart, and all your garments, and turn unto the Lord, and turn unto the Lord your God, for He is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and great kindness, and repenteth Him of evil. Who knoweth if He will return and repent, and leave a blessing behind Him, even the meat offering and drink offering before the Lord? Blow ye, tr- blow the trumpet in Zion, sanctify a fast, and gather." a solemn assembly. So, you, you just read on like that and see things. Even if, even if you read Jonah 3, verse 5 to 10, Jonah 3, verse 5 to 10, it's like the book of Jonah is full of fasting. <laughs> uh, look at what it says in verse 5. It says, because ye have taken my silver and my gold and carried into the temples my godly pleasant things. And now says, oh, no, I'm reading Joel. I, I, want, I want Jonah. Sorry, it's Jonah instead, not Joel. Jonah 3. Jonah 3 verse 5. Jonah 3 verse 5. Are we there? Not Joel. Jonah 3. Jonah 3 verse 5. Jonah 3 verse 5. Are we there? Yes. Alright, it says so the people of Nineveh believe God and proclaim the fast and put a sacculture on the greatest of them, even to the least of them. So if you read on, you just see what they did. So they proclaimed the fast. Now yeah, and if you even read on, you will see, even if you read the verses, so you just, you don't see that there was fasting all through the scriptures. Even though, so if you, you can put this down for your reference, Zechariah 8, verse 18 to 22. Zechariah 8, verse 18 to 22. Now, so, so observe carefully that. Order that, that account in 2 Kings, verse 21, Socrates 21, 9 to 12, where using the medium of leathers, Jezebel instructed the sons of Lilia to observe a fast with the intent to kill Naboth and all of those things. In every other instance, the writer thought with the word thesum, T-S-O-M and explained that the practice of fasting was to be done to the Lord. Other than that, Jezebel account where it says proclaim a fast, and why do we, Why would they complain fast so that they would kill Naboth? imagine fasting so that you can kill it. <laughs> you know, some people are just... We'll study all of those things as the year progresses. So, it, so it's there for us... It, it's there for us... Um, suffice for us to say that every time the writers of the Old Testament thought with the word t s u T-S-U-M, or T-S-U-M, it was to explain a practice of abstaining from food and drinks for a period of time. So, having examined that now, This practice of fasting determines how an individual or a group of people, that is a congregation, abstain from food and drink to devote and consecrate themselves in the worship to to Jehovah. That is, so now let's bring it home now and say, why are we going to fast now in the coming year? Or why are we going to fast in the days ahead of us? We're going to fast because we want to consecrate ourselves, right? Can we say that? We want to devote ourselves to the Lord, right? Can we say that? Unto the Lord. And so that's, and that is, now, you know, they did not just do it alone. They not just fast and just say they are waiting like that. It's usually accompanied with something. In their own practice, it's usually accompanied with prayer. It's usually accompanied with Christ. Wearing a sackcloth, pouring ashes on one's head. Offerings, burnt offerings, peace offerings. Fasting was usually accompanied with a whole lot of their own practices. Are you getting what I'm saying? But can we say now in our today's day now that as we consecrate ourselves and devote ourselves to the Lord, we can, we can accompany our fasting with prayers, right? Can we say that? With feeding on the Word, can we say that? With strong prayers, can we say that? Meditating on the Word, can we say that? That was, So when we see the scriptures, we, we, we learn what we should do and how we should go ahead of this. So we'll, we'll continue from here. We're just getting started in this series, actually. We'll continue from here and we'll see. One of the things we're going, to, we're going to alight as we progress is what's the use of congressional fasting? What's the use of personal fasting? How do you fast personally so that you, your fasting life can get better? Are you getting what I'm saying? So that when you want to do your own, maybe maybe outside 2023 20, and... You want to <laughs> and you want to do your own and you say, okay, I just want to wait on the Lord for one day, two days, three days. What do I do during those period of time? Okay, so let's say you are pastoring a church now and you want to call a fasting for your entire church. How do you or your entire disciples that are what do you do together in those congregational fasting and all of those things? Uh, why should fasting be done? What are the common, uh, things we're still going to look at is common myths? What are the what are the misconceptions about it? Are you getting what I'm saying? So we we, we trust God as we progress in more light that we would have understanding of it. But, but do you see that? The scriptures is heavily vested on fasting. How many of you have seen it? Now, do you know why you did not notice it? It's because you have not paid attention to it. Are you getting what I'm saying? So when somebody tells you, it's fasting, New Testament. You tell them it's Old Testament. Are you getting what I'm saying? <laughs> I see? I see it's all Testament. Are you getting it? Alleluia. Let's lift our eyes and just bless the name of the Lord this evening, and just just take Him and worship Him.